Welcome to How to Stop Wanting Him Back, a podcast on not just getting over your ex, but into yourself. I'm Claire, the Heartbreak Coach. Let's make what feels impossible possible. Hi, loves. Welcome to episode six Reckless Infatuation. <laughs> I love this topic so much, and it can only be said in the most dramatic tone of voice. I have to give credit to my coach, Stacy Smith, who came up with this episode title, Reckless Infatuation. It sounds like a Lifetime movie title, right? Reckless Infatuation. I think a lot of you who are tuning in can relate. I certainly can relate. What is Reckless Infatuation? Re- reckless Infatuation to me is thinking that you are madly in love with someone and have this incredible future with them and you've decided he's the one when you've maybe hung out with him two times. Can anyone else out there relate? I've heard so many times, Claire, he's my husband. He's perfect. And I'm like, okay, but you know, it's date two and you met him on the internet. So we don't know. And yes, there's a little bit of a skeptic within, but also it takes time to get to know someone. So what, what inspires reckless infatuation? I should say reckless infatuation. (laughs) Well, I think culturally, I know I'm just going to speak from my own personal experience. I grew up in an environment where it was just in the cards that we were going to get married. That's the box you check off at 27, 28, 29, and then you have your kids. Um, I also went to a college where majority of my friends are doing the same thing. All of my friends are doing that. My parents, they got married in their late 20s. So that was just something that has been impressed upon me and that I thought that I always wanted, which is interesting because I also did not follow the conventional path of a nine to five job after college, but definitely in my love life, I was like, oh, I'm a bridesmaid like for five other people right now. I want to be getting married as well. I thought that that was what I wanted. I thought that that's what I was ready for. Definitely was not at that time, which is totally okay. I do think that that societal and cultural pressure has a big influence on our desire to meet our person and therefore create this reckless infatuation, right? And so what makes us recklessly infatuated with someone? I know for me, usually it's that physical chemistry. So I was trying to think about the most recent, the last time that I felt reckless infatuation for someone. And I think it definitely was five years ago where I locked eyes with someone across the room in a restaurant. And lucky me, my best friend knew him and he came over and said hello. And it was just palpable, the connection that I felt with him. And I could tell that it was reciprocated, which that does not happen to me all the time. But it did that night and cut to took a few months for us to go out on a date. And I remember he just tapped me on my knee when I climbed into his car and said, hey, and I leaned in for a kiss on the cheek and he just tapped me on the knee in a really friendly, non-intimate way. And he just said, how was your Christmas? Because I had just gotten back from Christmas break and everything in me melted. It was just that fire within that I was just like, I am done here. Oh, I have a big smile on my face. It's really such an exciting feeling. And I think the oxytocin just will be released around certain people. And my therapist has a theory about that. She said a a spiritual teacher told her any guy that you meet who just makes your panties want to drop, run the opposite direction. P.S. I'm not a fan at all of the word panties, but that's what she said. So you're welcome that I've now said that word twice to you guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, there's something within your soul subconsciously that is like chemically drawn to this person to probably learn a pretty painful lesson. And I did end up experiencing a lot of pain in that relationship. And guys, it wasn't because of him. He was a lovely human being. We had an incredible time together. We went out for about five, six weeks. He was such a gentleman, but we clearly were not looking for the same things. On the first date, he literally told me, I'm terrible at relationships. Like, I want to be in one, but I'm really bad at them. Like, I just literally, I was in a relationship with someone that was like the last time I got my heart broken. And I just like have this block where I just like forget to call her. I was like, that is so weird. But of course, the way my brain processed it, because I was like, he's everything. I totally had my blinders on. I'm like, he touched my knee and everything in me melted. I thought, oh, well, he's learned his lesson, right? I mean, it's so hilarious to admit this out loud, but it's probably, I'm pretty sure that's what my thought process was. And um, ultimately, yeah, it just became clear that even though my brain wanted to believe we were on the same page, wanted to believe that he really liked me, we, and maybe he did, maybe he did really like me or he thought we were on the same page. I don't know. I was not in his brain at the time, but I ended up creating this fantasy about wanting him to fulfill it, right? Without him knowing about it, obviously, because I wasn't going to say that. And I think a lot of women can talk, can relate to having this idea of what we think he could be and if he could fit this mold of what we're looking for, right? And it was clear as day that that was not the case. And he was totally spacing out in between dates. And I didn't even know when I would see him again, but then he would like continue to pop up. And it was just so weird. I didn't have the proper tools to effectively communicate what it was I was looking for really until the end. But it was so hard for me to do because I was so conscious of like, oh, I don't want him to think I'm crazy. And so I really want to hit home on that, really being clear and self-owned and self-empowered on what it is that you are looking for in your dating life. I think it's a lot easier for me now that I'm in my late 30s. Like, I'm not messing around here, people. But I would really encourage any of my listeners in their mid-20s, late-20s, early-30s, whoever, to feel really empowered and self-owned on what it is that you're looking for. And not saying show up on date one and say, I want babies. Do you want babies? No, that is not what I'm saying. But at some point early enough in the relationship, if you're consistently seeing each other, find out what it is he's looking for. Find out if you want the same things. It doesn't make him a bad guy if he isn't, but you'll start to think he's a bad guy if he's not playing by your rules and your manual and your playbook that you have created in your brain, right? It's very easy to do. The actress in me totally relates. I visualize all the time and fantasize all the time about what my future partner will be, what that future relationship will look like, who I will be in that relationship. And that's me really being conscious about manifestation, thinking, feeling, and behaving as the woman in this optimal relationship and who she is and how she shows up. And the same in my business, who that future version of myself is in my business and how am I showing up, thinking, feeling, and behaving as her today. But that's just me. I am super conscious today when I show up in my dating life that I am not dragging him into a fantasy that is not his. That is tricky, dangerous territory. So they're two very separate things. So last year, I know the growth has worked because I ended up dating a guy who I wasn't even that attracted to, but he was super sweet, super charming. We had a lot in common and we had a, he was a really fun time. So I just stayed open and I started to really like him and he would just check in. He texted me way more than I ever would need someone to. And ultimately just did all the things that I was really enjoying and appreciating, like texting me a lot and asking me about my day and sending me hilarious memes 
names and wanting to introduce me to his friends and saying, obviously, like I wouldn't just introduce anyone to my friends and sending me pictures when he's vacationing with his family. And I'm just thinking, this guy really likes me, really likes me. And then one day he was just like, yeah, you know, like I really love hanging out with you, but like, I don't want you to think we're dating or anything. I was like, guys, don't worry. I know I tried to do a record scratch sound a couple of episodes ago. ago. I I won't do that. But I was like, what? (laughs) And it totally pulled the rug from underneath me. And I was totally butthurt about it. And it took me a few weeks to get over that situation. I was really upset about that. But I have to say, I never had this like future fantasy about him. I always stayed grounded. I always stayed clear with where I was at. And I really listened to what he said. He said things like, I, you know, when I'm not with you, I really find I'm missing you. And, you know, usually at the end of a long week, I'm just like wanting to be alone and sleep and retreat to myself. But I find just like, I want to be with you. And so I really just took that as wow, he really likes me. And I think he did. But I think the idea of dating, I think this was a case of classic LA man-child. But also the work is just not taking it personally, right? Just really going, okay, well, and I said, I said, I think your behavior and your words have been extremely misleading. I also don't know what the difference is between what we were doing versus your version of dating because I wouldn't do anything else or expect anything else. But if you have such resistance to calling it dating, because he was like, I still want to hang out and like do all these things. I was like, no, thanks. Right. Because to me, that was clear that there was resistance in something that could ever be more serious. And again, I don't think bad guy. I thought it was bizarre behavior. And I made it clear I wasn't happy about that for sure. But we ended ultimately having, you know, a friendly rapport afterwards. And then it just fizzled out. But there wasn't like a F you, F you kind of thing. It was just like, okay, like I'm getting clear and grounded. And even though I'm starting to really like you, I didn't have this infatuation, this reckless infatuation with him. So I was thinking about what you guys were going to think in me sharing all of this. I still think it's super important to get excited before a date. I don't want to go on a date with someone I'm not excited about meeting. I don't want to go out on a date just because I'm 38 years old and I want to meet my person, make sure I have my calendar filled out with dates for the sake of dating. I know how to date. I know how to make conversation. I know how to show up. I want to go out on dates with people who I feel excited about. You get to still feel excited and you get to appreciate the qualities that you're enjoying about him. And you get to also catch yourself and say, okay, but I don't know him yet. And I'm going to continue to get to know him. And I'm going to continue to ask him questions. And I'm going to continue to pay attention to if he's really listening to me. Is he really seeing me? Is he really hearing me? Do I see that he appreciates me not just for the way I look, but also appreciates my humor or is interested in hearing about my family and my friends? Like, are we really connecting on a deeper level? Another big topic I'm going to be exploring more is drinking in your dating life. If you're following me on social media, by the time you hear this, at least the release of this episode, I will be on day 21 of not drinking. I usually do these 30-day cleanses of clean eating and no alcohol, and I always end up feeling like a million bucks. And then I let life happen. And I kind of fall back into an over drinking pattern, whether it's just thinking that I'm going to have more fun with alcohol or it'll take the nerves out if I'm on a date with a stranger or it will take the edge off of my stressful day. I don't identify as an alcoholic, but I do identify as definitely someone who can hold her alcohol. So I will drink more than what I would like to. And Every time I take it out of my life, I have higher productivity levels, 
increased energy. I'm just an overall happier person. My anxiety levels are super low. I'm connecting with amazing people. And just a a lot of magical things start happening. And a lot of amazing opportunities just start to pop up. I commit to a daily meditation practice. Just one healthy habit just continues to inspire another. So I've been feeling like a million bucks. And I'm going to start to explore the idea of being a moderate drinker and being really conscious about that. And so what is a moderate drinker? For me, and I don't want to go on too much of a tangent off of reckless um, infatuation, but I do think that we can fall into reckless infatuation because we have an idea of someone because we've had a couple of drinks and we think we see through our beer goggles, right? So I really want to consciously move through and I've gotten clear on what I think a moderate drinker, a definition of moderate drinker for me is no more than four drinks a week. And I have a really fun trip to Miami with my coaching group where normally I would probably be drinking a lot more. So I'm excited at the end of the month to really put that to the test. People keep saying, well, are you, aren't you going to treat yourself like Miami? That's a special treat. You shouldn't just limit yourself. You still get to have fun, but that's a slippery slope. And I'm having a lot of people reach out like clients and friends friends who are saying, oh my gosh, tell me more about this, you know, shifting from your cleanse into becoming a moderate drinker, because I too realize that, you know, I'm going out a lot, I'm networking, I'm socializing, I'm dating, I'm doing all the things where I'll just be at home and I'll take the edge off because I'm relaxing on a Thursday night and want to watch TV and just open a bottle of wine, right? And so really looking at how that can affect you, not just in your dating life, but also in your personal life. And so I'm really committed to making that just a habit. And I'm reading an incredible book that, again, my amazing coach, Stacey Smith, sent to me called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it's really helpful in stripping away the the habits that don't serve you and creating habits that do. And um, habits are what you create to shift your lifestyle completely, not just these 30-day stints. So I'm really excited to continue to share on that. And I think that that's going to shift so much uh, in my dating life. So I'm going to be talking about that. And I would love to offer that to many of you. I'm I'm sure some of you are non-drinkers or aren't big drinkers, but a lot of people have reached out and said, oh my gosh, yes, I totally relate to this. So If it isn't drinking in your dating life, I would love for you to just gather evidence or take note and reflect on your dating life. If you haven't met your person and you're on a journey of looking for your person, how are you showing up? Are you present? Are you just getting distracted, whether if it's not with alcohol, but you're distracted by the undeniable chemistry or he just fits the bill and checks off all the boxes. So you want it to work, you want it to work, and you're not really physically or mentally present with the person in the moment hearing them and having a decent, normal human exchange, which is ultimately what you want to have with your partner, right? So that will be uh, coming up. I'll be covering that in upcoming episodes and posts. So you can go to claireburncoaching.com and subscribe because I'll be writing more about that. And if you are interested in working with me, we give that information at the end of this episode. So thank you so much for listening and I'm just so excited about this podcast. I'm so appreciative of all of the love and support. And I look forward to connecting with you next week. Bye. Hey, love. If you're picking up what I'm throwing down and would like to deepen this work with me as your coach, go to claire the heartbreak forward slash work dash with 
me and apply for my six-month one-on-one coaching program where we'll not only heal your heart, but take your entire life to the next level. I can't wait to read your application.